the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called A Church for Real Life. And as believers, we have a great responsibility and privilege to share how to find life and fulfillment through Jesus. But maybe when you have a chance to share what God has done in your life, the brake lights come on and you freeze up. What is it about sharing that seems to paralyze us in the midst of opportunity? The message today is called Too Afraid to Share. To start us off, not only is Pastor Sean a teacher of the Word, he has the gift of music and singing and songwriting. It's time for Radio for Real Life. You are the shelter, my refuge from the storm, and you are the place I run when all I know gets torn. The whole world is going crazy. Killing itself for fear It could make a man start to lose his mind But I won't cause you are near And you still my soul by the river Fill my cup till it overflows I'll rest my soul down by the river Drink from the waters of your love And I'm made whole All oh, this mountain that was standing on could one day crumble and fall I could have the whole world by the tail to then just lose it all you know life don't give no guarantees but I won't be afraid cause if I have you I have everything and I know that it'll be okay you still my soul by the river Fill my cup till it overflows I'll rest my soul down by the river Drink from the waters of your love and I'm Drink from the waters of your love and I'm made whole. 
you give me hope Yours is the voice that calms my restless soul Let's sing that as a prayer Oh, you are my peace And you give me hope Yours is the voice that calms my restless soul Oh, you are my peace and you give me hope yours is the voice that calms his restless soul yes you are my peace you give me hope yours is the voice that calms my restless soul you still my soul by the river fill my cup till it overflows I'll rest my soul down by the river drink from the waters of your love and I'll make home Drink from the waters of your love and I'm made whole. Amen. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to trust you every day, no matter what we face. Teach us. I just pray, Jesus, that you would help us to experience your peace and then be a voice for peace. We love you. Speak to us now from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Royal Family Kids Camp. Some of you may remember we did a Royal Family Kids Camp here. And um, we wanted to expand that, and it became what we do today, Real Life Kids Camp. Uh, But we did one of these Royal Family Kids Camp. We were at one of the very first ones. It was like the second one I think that had ever been done. And it's a camp where they take kids from abused and neglected situations who are in foster care, and they take them on an amazing week and just show them the love of Jesus and try to give them some good experiences and just create some positive memories and sow some positive seeds. And this was in, we were in Southern California at the time, and so, I mean, our church was drawing from, as far as for this camp, uh, Compton, Watts, some of the, the roughest areas in Los Angeles. And it was amazing. Um, I'd been to a lot of youth camps. I was a youth pastor, and I was used to kids hoarding dessert at mealtime, right? These kids hoarded salad. And there were some you could actually see malnutrition. You know, and yet the state's paying a lot of money. But it's obviously not going to the kids, right? And the way the camp was designed is the camper, the, the counselor would have two kids because they only had two hands. And you're like, okay, is that about crowd control? Well, actually, it's about once those relationships start to bond, those kids stuck to those counselors and they would hold their hands because they now had a stable, responsible, loving adult who cared about them. And it was just amazing to watch how that worked in these kids' lives. 
And so my role at the camp, I was kind of part of a team that was over the whole camp. I was like the coach guy, and I was over this team. Lori actually was one of the counselors and had two girls. So at mealtimes, I didn't have my own group. I would go and sit with her and her, her girls. And it was cool because anytime I would hold her hand or put my arm around her or kiss her on the cheek, they would just beam. They thought that was the coolest thing in the world. They just thought they just healthy husband and wife loving each other. You'd be amazed. These little kids from Compton and Watts thought that was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. And so we did that one night, and during their quiet group time, one of the little girls um, asked Lori, she said, Lori, Sean's your husband, right? You're, you guys are married, he's your husband? Yeah, he's my husband. Does he hit you? And Lori's like, no, sweetie, he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't hit me. But he's your husband, right? She asked again. As though she couldn't really put together that it could be different. And Lori got to share with her, no, sweetie, that's not what love is. That's not how God designed it. That's now... That's not how loving husband and wives are supposed to care for each other. And so that was kind of this experience. And on the last day, they had this incredible week and we just sewed into them. On the last day, the hardest part was these girls. Other kids were too, but these two girls hanging out the window, screaming, crying to Lori and I, why can't we come live with you? Why can't we stay with you? Why can't we? And of course, they're foster kids, they're wards of the state we had to give them back and and it was just this unbelievable thing and it's at at moments like that i have to tell you it it was interesting what my my kind of gut response was you know there's all kinds of things you want to do for kids you want to make sure they're well fed you want to make sure they're safe you want to make sure they're educated i desperately wanted those kids to know that they weren't alone because they felt they were going back and they were alone and and what we had told them all week and what we shared with them personally and what I desperately wanted them to know was that Jesus Christ was with them and that prayer actually makes a difference and that it could make a difference in their lives. I needed them to know that. I needed them to understand that. And, you know, we saw it through that camp. We saw kids who went through the program. This is elementary school-age kids. We saw kids go through the program and actually see real life change and actually become followers of Jesus Christ and come back and work at the camps and help others. It was just an incredible kind of thing when you see the seeds of the gospel bear fruit and change someone's life but i mean that was the thing i'd already kind of committed my life to ministry i'd left playing polo to become a minister and my passion for the gospel was obviously pretty high but i have to tell you that camp took it higher because you know we sing a song lord you are my peace you give me hope yours is the voice that calms this restless soul and my thought is who does that for them I wanted them to know there is a God who loves them and really can make a difference. I wanted them to know it's real. This is not just a game. It's real. And my passion for the gospel kind of went up because they weren't statistics. They weren't a sad story on the news. These are kids now that we knew. We knew their names. We told stories. We had a good time with them. I mean, it just lets us know because because that's one stark, real example. But folks, that's happening all over, all around us. Stuff like that. I mean, people hurting. And sometimes it's not that severe on the outside, but people lost, broken, desperate on the inside. They're in our neighborhoods. They're, They're on our sports teams with our kids. They're in our schools. There are people who work with us. That's why the gospel's not a game. What we're doing here. A church for real life really matters. And we've been talking about what is a church for real life. We've been in a little part of this series as we're kind of getting ready to wind this thing down. 
We've been talking about the five decisions on the journey to real life, which is what we do as a church. We call people to and support them in those five decisions. Follow, connect, grow, serve, share. And today I want to talk about share. I've entitled this, Too Afraid to Share. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Too Afraid to Share, which is available right now on the sermons page in a series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org, where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, Too Afraid to Share. This is Radio for Real Life. I've entitled this, Too Afraid to Share. Because the whole idea is this gospel of ours is transformative, it's life-changing, it's changed our lives. And when we get face-to-face with people with serious need, it's like, this is what's at stake. This is why we have to share. The thing we will understand as we look in the scripture and as we walk it all with Jesus, we'll understand that, bottom line, Jesus has a thing for sinners. He just does. You can't deny it. Jesus has a thing for sinners. He just loves us. And that's really good news. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, and this isn't actually even the passage I'm going to focus in on, but I do want to touch on, it starts out where Jesus heals a paralyzed man, okay, whose friends bring him, remember, they can't get to Jesus and they lower him through the roof. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. It really is. Because these guys, they come, four guys, they care about their friend, they've heard about Jesus, they bring Jesus, they bring this guy to Jesus, and they can't get to him because he's speaking in a house. There's pe- tons of people there. It's packed at the doors, around the house. They can't get to Jesus. And so these guys are not going to take no for an answer. So you know, remember what they do if you know the story. They hoist the guy up on the roof. Can you believe how crazy these guys are? They hoist him on the roof and start tearing the roof off. They're going to lower him down to Jesus. Well, I think it's awesome. The owner of the house probably didn't think it's awesome, but I think it's awesome. I mean, everybody needs some guys like that, right? Some friends who are willing to go crazy and do something to get something done. And I have to tell you, um, that's kind of one of the foundations for my relationship with Willie Mayfield, okay? Just, you know, because... I'll have a crazy idea and go, man, I wonder if we could da-da-da-da. And Willie go, we could do that. I'm like, we could? <laughs> oh, we could do that. Like, you don't want to be around. Don't ask any questions. Just come back in the morning. And <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. <laughs> but man, you want friends like that who can get things done. 
you know? And this guy had friends who could get things done. And so I love the picture of Jesus kind of teaching, and all of a sudden there's noise, there's, the people are listening. We know there were some religious leaders there, so it's kind of a little stiff in that section. And there's this noise, and all of a sudden they start tearing the roof off. It's like the, the kind of first century equivalent of if Jesus standing there talking and sheetrock starts just falling on his head. And I could just see Jesus kind of looking up, and all of a sudden the roof opens up, and they awkwardly lower this guy down, and then he sees these four heads. It's all you, Jesus. We did our deal. Now it's you. And I have to think Jesus absolutely loved that. He's like, man, these guys get it. What happens then, though, is what's interesting and what kind of sets the stage and actually turns the whole story. Jesus looks at the guy on the map, and he says to him, with great compassion, your sins are forgiven which isn't really what anybody expected. In fact, the religious leaders who were there, that says the teachers of the law were there, they get downright offended. How dare this guy say that? Who is he to do that? And Jesus discerns what they're asking, what their problem is, and so he, he says, which is, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and, and take your mat and walk? But that you would know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. And then he says to the guy, friend, take up your mat and walk. And the guy does. And just the awesome picture of there were four guys who walked carrying another. Now there's five guys who go home walking together as friends being, have been touched by Jesus. And by the way, there were five guys touched by Jesus that day, not just one. Okay. But Jesus in that statement, the first thing he says is your sins are forgiven. Jesus is making a powerful illustration of the true nature of healing and the true need. See, there's a greater threat than paralysis. It was what was going on in the guy's heart. There's a greater pain that the guy was suffering than his inability to walk. It was a pain of sin, and Jesus knew that. And it's that where I think we turn, and now listen to where Mark takes us, because right, right away it picks up verse 13. Then he, Jesus, went out again by the sea, and all the multitudes came to him, and taught, he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, that's Matthew, we know him as Matthew, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, that whole thing, you have to understand, Jesus is teaching, there's lots of followers, lots of people. He goes walking through, and he sees a tax collector, Matthew, otherwise known as Levi, sitting at a tax, and he just looks at the guy and says, follow me, and he does. Luke tells us Matthew literally left everything and followed him. In other words, it wasn't a short-term thing. It wasn't just a, hey, I want to talk to you. It was, he left, he's gone. We know he became one of Jesus' disciples. He wrote one of the Gospels. But he's a tax collector sitting there, and, and that's all the thing tells us. And I'm like, there's so many questions. Why did he follow? He's doing his job, sitting there at work, and a guy comes up, says, follow me. He gets up, leaves everything once and for all, and follows him. What was happening? There's so much packed into this little scene. You have to understand, tax collector, okay, we look at tax collectors, we can make jokes, you know, we make jokes, lawyers, tax collectors, blah, blah, blah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, This was a little different. Um, These people were under the Roman Empire. They were subjugated people. And uh, the Romans were not, the Romans were harsh and cruel, and the taxation was burdensome. And Matthew was a Jew who had been hired, and he was now collecting taxes for the Romans. And 
as was the normal situation, he's skimming off the top to make his own extra living. He became a pretty well-to-do guy because of it. And so these tax collectors, these Jewish guys who were tax collecting for the Romans, they were despised. Jewish people did not like him. He was a traitor. He was a brother who was being used by this cruel oppressor. He was the problem, and people looked at him that way, and Matthew had probably just settled in. That's just where it is. That's the way it is. That's where life is. That's what's going on. And what's interesting is I wonder what happened when Jesus walks up. What did he see when he saw Matthew? Because he saw something very different than anyone else. What did Matthew see in Jesus that made him get up and just follow? Was Jesus maybe the first person who'd ever looked at him with the gaze that says, I know you and I know this isn't you, Matthew. I know there's more to you than this. I know God made you for more than this. Is it possible that when Jesus said, follow me, and by the way, that follow me, that um, we look at it and we see it in a very practical sense. Okay, come come along with me. in that culture, a very religious culture, the highest level of achievement was the, the religious leaders. And so the religious rabbis would pick the most accomplished, the brightest young men, and they would say, follow me. And they would make them disciples, and then those young men would be in the religious field. They would be part, the teachers of the law, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they would be part of that group. And that was a very high and lofty thing. Well, Matthew obviously hadn't been chosen. He kind of went a different direction. But when Jesus, the well-known, famous, maybe infamous in some circles, rabbi, comes and says, Matthew, Levi, follow me. He saw acceptance. He saw hope for his future. He saw something he maybe never saw before. All in the eyes of Jesus. And what did Jesus see? This is interesting. It goes back to what we talked about last week. Remember John talked about the four soils and brought up the great point that we don't know what kind of soil is in a person's heart. It's not our job to determine. Um, Everybody else looked at Matthew and saw one type of soil. Hard, hard, waste of time. Don't waste time with him. Jesus saw a different type of soil and obviously Jesus was right. Matthew could have been like the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? Earnest young man came to Jesus. How can I be saved? And Jesus was like, well, you know the commandments. And all of them I've kept. He said, well, one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Jesus did not invite everybody to follow him. He actually invited a rich young ruler, a rich young man, to come and follow him. And we're told that the young man went away sad because um, he had a lot of wealth. And so everybody looked at his heart because he was so earnest and sincere and thought, he's got good soil, when it turns out he didn't. And everybody would have looked at Matthew and saying, man, his heart is hard. And they would have been wrong. They would have missed it. Now, what's interesting is the story doesn't end there. It goes on in verse 15. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Many what? Many disciples? Maybe. Many tax collectors and sinners? Maybe. Because they saw something different in Jesus. But we're told they followed him. Luke adds a little detail that Mark didn't point out. Luke 5.29, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. In other words, Jesus didn't just go join something that was happening at Matthew's house. It was thrown in his honor. 
Matthew threw a banquet in Jesus' honor, and he invites his friends. He doesn't go try to find the nice religious people. No, he invites other people just like him because he can't believe this religious leader, Jesus, would choose someone like him. And so he calls and invites a bunch of people just like him. And what's funny is um, this was something you just didn't do. The Jews had maintained their purity by being separate. They believed it had become a part of their code. Religious leaders didn't hang out with sinful people. They didn't hang out with the countries around them, but they'd kind of taken it in, and they didn't hang around with the people who were impure. And so we're told in verse 16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him, saw Jesus, eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And what we see in this story is Jesus saw them all completely differently. And they all saw something very different in him. And that's what struck me as I read this passage. When we look at people who are far from God, all around us, who are not living up to the purpose that God has for them. They're not experiencing the abundant life, the love, the grace, the peace. When we see our world going crazy and people afraid and terrified and far from God, what do we see? And what do they see when they look at us? When we look at people, do I see their need? Do I see their hurt? Do I see their brokenness? Do I see the desperation? Or do I just see the offense of their sin and the inconvenience it causes me? Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Too Afraid to Share or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find a church for real life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.